Hi, my name is Bob Brooks, host and moderator of Long in the Tooth. This is a podcast primarily for late career dentists who are interested in doing a great job with their practices currently and also in planning for a transition of their practices to new ownership in the future. Our vision for the podcast is to be an educational format, not salesy at all. If you have been directed to join this podcast by a member of the dental industry in the United States, please thank them. This is going to benefit you. These are educational presentations that will hopefully help your profitability, your peace of mind, and your planning for the future as you are considering transitioning your practice to new ownership. Hi, this is Bob Brooks with Long in the Tooth once again. We're pleased that you could join us. We're again here today with Ben Stewart of Bank of America Practice Solutions. Ben, thanks for joining us once again. Thanks, Bob. Excited to be here. Well, you know, many sellers, practice sellers, or those who are practice owners who are near the end of their career may be thinking, what do I need to know about practice acquisition loans for? What do I, why do I need to know about buyers? I'm that's not the end of the career that I'm on. Well, they certainly do need to know about what's going on in the marketplace because the transition is going to occur at some point in the not too distant future. And so one of the important things is uh, what's going on with buyers? Uh, what does a typical buyer look like today, Ben? Yeah. You know, Bob, it's it, it, the buyers ha have changed over the years. So, so I can tell you typically what we're seeing today um, is, is the vast majority of our buyers are, are the doctors that are looking for financing to get into practice are coming out of DSOs. So the DSOs have done a phenomenal job to get into the schools uh, and, and get those, those dentists early uh, to come work for them. Uh, and typically what we see is, is most of our first time practice owners have been working for a DSO from anywhere from two to four years. Uh, and they are ripe to get out to, to, to get into their own private practice. Um, you know, they, a lot of these doctors, you know, go to school to, to get into private practice. They want to run their own office the way that they want. And, and obviously sometimes the DSOs don't allow them to do that. So, uh, we typically see them working for a DSO two to four years, you know, student loan debt has been a big issue. We typically see anywhere between 250 to $400,000 in student loan debt, uh, on these first time practice owners. Um, liquidity is, is something that, that we've been stressing too. you know, obviously it, with the pandemic that we went through, you know, liquidity, having a, a, a rainy day fund to tap into is very important. So we typically see our first time practice owners anywhere around 50, $60,000 in liquidity. Um, and that's not just cash in the bank, but you know, stocks and, 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 uh, bonds, um, and, you know, and, and our average, uh, uh, dentist coming out has got a good good credit score, right? We, we typically see credit scores in the mid 700s. So that's typically not an issue. Um, so yeah, so a couple years of experience and, and they're ready to jump in to, to get into practice. And the trend now that we're seeing, and it has been this way for a little while too, is that um, the majority of associates that are looking to get into practice are looking to, to buy a practice. Um, we're far more looking to get into an established practice as opposed to starting from scratch. Obviously there's far less risks. Uh, in, in jumping into an acquisition versus starting up from scratch. Well, I, I can certainly see that. I know our company transitioned from um, uh, a lot of startups and relocations in 2017 was our big crossover year where 
much more of our business started coming in from uh, practice transitions. And now that's nearly all of our business because uh, so many of the good startup locations over the last 50 years have filled up and uh, um, much less risk and uh, it's, it's more tangible and uh, uh, a great way to uh, you know, plan for the future to see the track record of an existing practice. And so um, when, uh, when you're working with different buyers, of course, everybody's different and every s selling situation is different. Um, what are some, from a lender's perspective, what do you see that makes trans transactions go the smoothest? Yeah. Yeah, Bob, I'll tell you, it's all about the team, right? If, you know, the smoothest transactions that we get are um, have a team approach. And what I mean by that is, is um, obviously there's, there's uh, practice brokers out there. Uh, across the country and, and the ones, the doctors that are working with a practice broker uh, and, and have a team around them are the ones that go the smoothest. So obviously, as you can imagine, there's broker transaction and there what we call doctor to doctor transactions where two doctors find each other on their own and, and they try to put a, a transaction together. The ones where we see doctors working with practice brokers are the ones that, that go the smoothest, that end up getting to the finish line because there's somebody, an expert in there guiding them every step of the way. So, so we love to see those transactions just because we know we've got a greater chance of, of helping them get to the finish line. Uh, and as a lender, I mean, that's, that's what we're looking for at the end of the day. Um, the other partners that get involved with it too, you know, uh, the dental industry is a very unique industry. So, so having a good dental specific uh, attorney uh, a dental specific accountant that really knows uh, transactions and, and, and how to make deals happen as opposed to an adversarial um, combative um, um, uh, transaction that, that takes place, right? Because at the end of the day, Bob, as you know, the goodwill is the most important piece of it. And so um, having people that, that understand that and want to preserve the goodwill from, from the senior dentist that's selling to the, to the new dentist coming in and, and making that transition as smooth as possible and everybody having a a good experience is, is key. So having that dental team around them when it comes to a practice broker, attorney, and accountant is, is critical. And those are the deals that we see get to the finish line more often than not. Well, that makes sense. And uh, certainly qualified brokers who are experienced that can be a great uh, um, part of uh, successful and smooth transitions and transactions. Uh, the uh, You've probably seen, like I've seen, attorneys all over the board. You know, somebody is related to somebody who's a criminal defense attorney or oil and gas attorney or whatever, and uh, they think, hey, you know, they're my brother-in-law or whatever. But really, uh, you know, you kind of have to train these attorneys that don't have any experience, and uh, it's it's tough for them to weigh in and do a good job representing their clients just because they don't have the background. So it's so important for these. Um, the participants in these projects to uh, choose attorneys with experience. And, and CPAs are the same way, although I do see CPAs sometimes wanting to justify a lot of their uh, tax expenses, you know, for sellers and things like that. So as we go toward recasting financials and trying to normalize financial statements, uh, it's a little bit challenging to get to the bottom of some things because some of the items that have been claimed for expenses for tax purposes are discretionary items and can be added back to seller's discretionary earnings. So, uh, you know, probably working with the accountants has been a little bit more challenging um, from, from my experience. 
but it, it certainly is important to have good uh, experienced people on the team all the way around and that in, includes a lender and um, it, it does seem like that everybody and their brother would be happy to loan money to Dennis, but there are a few that have the experience to do it. And um, maybe they're just chasing the uh, transaction business a little bit more and really are coming up short in the acquisition loan category. So uh, it's, it's just so important for buyers to select good advisors. And for those sellers who are working with buyers and you know communicating with their buyers to encourage them to get connected with the right people it just makes things so much easier. So Ben, let's go on to the next question. And that is, we touched a little bit on this earlier, but what is the appetite for uh, young dentist owned practices these days? Yeah, uh, Bob, I'll, I'll tell you, it, it, I think it's as strong as it's ever been. Obviously the demographics have changed, um, you know, over the last 20 years. Um, on, on what those, those uh, new dentists are looking like. As, as you know, there's a, there's a lot more female dentists coming out of dental school. So, um, the, you know, there's, there's uh, a, a kind of a wave coming through. And so those female dentists typically are looking at uh, practice ownership a little bit differently. There's a lot of foreign dentists still coming into the United States that, that want to practice here as well. Um, and so some of the trends that we see are, um, um, you know, with the female dentists that want to have a family and, and get into ownership, we're seeing a lot of partnerships with, with uh, uh, female dentists uh, going into practice. Uh, the foreign doctors that are coming over that were, were, were dentists in, in their native country, uh, those are the ones that are jumping into practice the, the quickest. Um, uh, we're seeing that a lot of the dentists going into these DSOs, uh, it, it doesn't take them long to realize that, that that's not the career that path that they want to go. And, and so that's why we see a lot of those jumping in and, and looking to, to get into private practice. Uh, so yes, the, the appetite for young dentists is strong to get into private practice. Um, you know, there's some that, that won't, and, and they enjoy, you know, going in and working for somebody else. But I would say that the, the vast majority do want to get into private practice. And, and the acquisition is, is really their, their uh, um, appetite is where they want to be. And, and so a couple of the trends that we're seeing too is that um, today's dentists, young dentists are really looking for the, the urban uh, locations, right? They're looking for the cities. Mm -hmm. They want to have a work-life balance of, of having a practice in a city where they have access to, to everything that they want to see and do. So the rural practices are the ones that are, are struggling to find younger dentists to come out and, and make those uh, acquisitions. So. Um, we, we see the, 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 the practices in the cities, um, they're, they're typically priced higher because there's a lot more demand for them in the city and the rural practices, um, you know, sometimes takes a lot longer for them to, to, to get sold just because of the, the trends of these doctors wanting to be in the, in the cities, right? Today's, today's dentist too is very technology driven, as you can imagine. So, um, you know, they're looking for practices. What we see in, in, in looking for uh, more high-tech practices uh, with some of the latest and greatest things. Um, and that's not always the case and what they find. So typically what we see is, is, you know, you've got a dentist that's looking for an acquisition in a city where there's not a lot of inventory. Those are the ones we end up seeing as that go the startup route just because they can't find exactly what they want. Um, but yeah, I will tell you that, that, you know, today's dentist still wants to get into that private practice. They still want to be their own boss. Well, our next question, uh, it comes, brings us back to the pandemic a little bit, Ben. And that question is, uh, when we are looking backwards at what practices have done is what is the basis for analysis? Are we looking at, uh, 
you know, pre-COVID, are we, how are we taking into account the COVID period of time, especially when offices were shut down, and then post-COVID? So how are lenders looking at practices uh, through this post-COVID recovery? Yeah, and as we talked about in the previous podcast, Bob, um, you know, our lending criteria, and I would say pretty much across the board with most lenders, is that we're back to normal in the sense of uh, how we look at deals and underwrite deals uh, pre-COVID, right? And the exception being is, is lenders want to make sure that those practices have rebounded um, since they reopened. So we understand that, you know, with offices being shut down, obviously they weren't seeing patients. It was a slow reopening for, for dental offices. Um, and so we were looking, we are looking for some normalcy when it comes to um, after they've opened up, um, you know, how is their practice rebounded and, and are they are they flattened out? Have they got back to the pre-COVID levels that they did before? So so for us, and I think with majority of the lenders, right, they're looking for a couple of years tax returns. They're looking for a trailing 12 month profit and loss just to see what the last 12 months look like. And, and is are things normalized? Um, are they back to where they were pre-COVID? Um, and, and really, uh, uh, other than that, there's no other real stipulations uh, that we're looking at uh, because of, of COVID and the shutdown. Great. Now, you know, interest rate is just one aspect of a loan, uh, practice acquisition loans. And there are obviously a number of other uh, items that weigh in on uh, uh, practice acquisition loans. So other than interest rate, what, what do you think is are the important things for buyers when they're looking at financing? Yeah, great question, Bob. So, so yeah, there's there's a number of factors that 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 are involved, and and as we lecture to, to young dentists across the country, you, you know, the, the first thing that they say is, you know, what's your interest rate, and 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 it is important, absolutely. And fortunately for us, in, in today's day and age, our rates have have really never been lower. Um, so the interest rate is great, but the most important thing in any any financing is is cash flow. So what is that monthly payment? So so similar to a home mortgage, right? The, you're, the longer the term, uh, the, the higher the interest rate. The shorter the term, the, sh- the lower the interest rate. But at the end of the day, if you can't make that payment, if that practice can't support that payment, it doesn't do you any good to have a 1% interest rate if you can't make the monthly payment because the term is too short. So it's finding the right term, whether it's seven years, 10, 12, 15 years, um, finding that right term is going to be key in, in order to have a, a quality of life, uh, to be able to do the other things that you want to do outside the practice and that you're not stuck uh, working five days a week to try to make that payment uh, on that loan. The other things that, that, that we always strive to, to keep dentists aware of are, you know, what are closing costs looking like? You know, what kind of prepayment penalty do you have? Is it a fixed rate or a variable rate, right? All these factors come into play. Are you allowed to principal reduce the loan, right? Or are you stuck, uh, you know, making that one payment and you can't pay it down any quicker or any sooner? What are the loan uh, covenants and, and, and conditions, right? Are there any stipulations in there um, that, that, you know, do you have to put your house up as collateral? Do you have to have additional co-signers? Um, those are all the things that you want to take into consideration. That's really where a dental lender uh, steps in and, and really understands that their business and to, to know how to set them up uh, the right way. What, what about the banking relationships? Are there stipulations where you have to use their, their banking products? Um, you know, these are all the things that should weigh in because at the end of the day, when you balance it all out, that's going to impact what that interest rate is. So if a lender is requiring life and disability insurance to be collaterally assigned to them, you know, there's another expense that gets factored in and that could, you know, obviously impact what that interest rate is. And really at the end of the day, what we, we talk to our doctors about too is, is, you know, can your lender grow with you? 
right? Are you looking, is this your first practice? Is this your first practice of four or five that you want to get into? Are you looking to buy that building? Are you looking to expand? Uh, make sure that you find a lender that, that's got an appetite to be able to do all that. So there's a lot of factors other than just the interest rate that, that go into uh, making the right decision uh, when it comes to financing. Ben, that information is valuable for all buyers and borrowers. Uh, and some sellers or late career dentists may think it's uh, maybe, maybe not quite all the information that they need at this point uh, in time. But, you know, as sellers and late career practice owners have a chance to interact with buyers and also interact with the advisors um, of these buyers, uh, buyers need to be aware of these things. So I think what you just shared is so valuable to for even sellers to be aware of. Now, uh, it's like everything in life. Some things are more difficult. Some things are less difficult. What are difficult deals for banks to finance? Sure. Yeah, the, the, the ones that are most difficult for us to finance, um, obviously, if the buyer has got some some credit challenges, right? Uh, they, they don't, they've got a lot of credit card debt. They don't have a lot of liquidity or savings. Um, you know, that that is immediately a bankruptcy or anything along those lines will be immediate. Uh, turn off for, for almost all lenders. Um, but really for, for, for lenders, we're looking at that cash flow again, right? Can that practice support that buyer coming in, um, uh, making that monthly payment on that practice, living the life that they're accustomed to, uh, and, and looking at all the debts that are associated with that. So, so deals that don't cash flow, um, you know, it's interesting, uh, you know, a lot of the buyers that come to us, you know, they think that they need to buy a small practice, right? They, they, that they, you know, it's easier. They can't qualify for a larger practice. And, and really the opposite, opposite is the case. It's easier for us to finance a, a much larger practice, a million dollar practice versus a $300,000 practice because the cash flow that that million dollar practice is, is, is putting off is, is going to more than cover the note. It's more than going to cover the expenses of, of that buyer. So it's easier for us to get those bigger deals done than it is the small ones because there's not a lot of cash at the end of the day uh, on a $300,000 practice. That doesn't mean we can't get them financed, but they're usually a little bit more difficult. You know, the, the trends of the practice is something else that we look at closely. Are they, are they uh, declining trends? Are they uh, um, improving trends? You know, obviously a lot of dentists that are looking to retire have slowed down. They're not working as many days. They're not, they're not taking as many cases and they're referring out cases. So, um, um, you know, there's explanations there, but, but as long as there's an explanation there, um, you know, we're, we can get comfortable with it. Um, loan to gross is, is one that, you know, it, it can be difficult if it's over hundred percent loan to gross and the seller's not willing to participate in it. That's going to be a very difficult deal to get done. We don't see very many of those. Uh, there's certain parts of the country where we see, uh, some of those very high loan to grosses, but, but as a whole, we don't, we don't see it. Uh, and, and production, as I mentioned before, production of the buyer, can the, can the buyer do the production that the office is doing? Uh, is the, is the seller staying on, um, to help out if, if there is a production gap, if you will. Um, and so those are the type of things that we see that, that, that can be difficult commingled tax returns too. So if a seller has got multiple practices and they all roll them up into one tax return, trying to extrapolate out, you know, that one practice and what it's doing, um, can be difficult and challenging. Uh, we try to work through those as best we can, but sometimes those can be uh, a challenge. Oh yeah. And just everything. I mean, commingling of advertising expense and everything else exactly between practices. Well, this brings us to our final question uh, of this episode, Ben, and that is, where do you see uh, dental financing going in the future? 
Yeah. Bob, I, I can tell you, I didn't expect to see the numbers that, that we've put up this year. Um, uh, you know, we're having one of our record years. Uh, you know, the industry has, is just so strong. The portfolio of dentists, uh, you, you know, the dentists that we've got, I mean, is, is probably one of the strongest portfolios we've had. So uh, we see nothing but up. Obviously, the DSOs in the space are, are still making a big splash, but there's still that deep desire to get into practice ownership. Uh, and these young doctors that are coming out of, uh, out of dental school and working as an associate are, are, are looking to get in. Um, and the trends that we're seeing are, are, are great. You know, we've done a lot of debt consolidations uh, because interest rates are low. I mean, obviously, as interest rates change, you know, we won't see as many of those. But the, the commercial real estate, the acquisitions, the expansions, uh, the, you know, the additional offices, the multi-practice owners are, are you know, another hot uh, topic right now where you've got doctors that are looking to get into four, five, six uh, offices. So we've got, we're very optimistic on the future of dental financing. Um, you know, we are, we are committed to the space um, and, and we expect nothing but, but great things ahead. And we think next year is even going to be better than this year. So uh, very optimistic on what the future holds. Very good. Well, Ben, I can't thank you enough for sharing on these episodes with us uh, on Long in the Tooth. And if you could please share your contact information with our listeners in case somebody wants to get a hold of you, that would be appreciated. You bet. My email address is benjamin.stewart, and it's S-T-E-W-A-R-T, at bofa.com. My cell phone number is 614-402-2936. Great. Thank you so much, Ben, and so long for now, everybody. Thanks, Bob.